You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Well, I always feel like as a pastor, a lot of times we're in fellowship and we need to get started with something and everybody's having a good time and you have to stop it to get on with your program. That's what this feels like right here. have a pop quiz for you this morning. I hated pop quizzes when I was in school. I hated tests, mainly because I didn't work at school and I didn't study. So that always meant I'm getting ready to have a big problem here. This will be easy. There's two questions. A pop quiz this morning. First thing that comes to your mind. Who or what do you really love this morning? Who or what really captures and controls your heart affections? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you as we come and we sing these praises in these truths of all that you have done. I pray that you will cause us to remember things today, even maybe in heaviness. And yet we clearly hope to to end with great joy above all joys. But come and do a work in our hearts this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth will be acceptable to you and pleasing to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and by power do a work in each life that is here. We especially pray. And if somebody's here that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, today would be their day of salvation. We love you. Thank you for saving us. We clearly thank you for Jesus. In his sweet, precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you will turn in your copy of God's Word to Lamentations 2, 1 through 5. The title of this message is Covered by a Cloud. Dave read this earlier, and I want to read it again. How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all the habitations of Jacob. In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down the ground in dishonor, to the ground in dishonor, the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy, and has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy, with his right hand set like a foe. He has killed all who were delightful in our eyes, in the tent of the daughter of Zion. He has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. 
He has swallowed up all its places, palaces, and he has laid in ruins its strongholds, and he has multiplied in the daughter of Judah, mourning and lamentations. This has been a long two weeks for me. Do you know this God? Is this your God? We don't really, for good reasons, which we will get to, hopefully, we don't experience this God. I told my community group this past week, I said, I have become really thankful for the period of time that I have been born in. I'm glad I was not born in the Old Testament. I would have been a part of this. Israel is covered by a cloud. Israel is used to being covered by a cloud, right? Many times as they have been taken out of Egypt and they were going through the desert, cloud by night, fire, warmth, protection, a cloud by day to protect, to love, a cloud over the tent of meaning, a cloud where he comes over the tabernacle. A cloud that they see God use in guiding them and, and, and protecting them and pro giving everything and loving them all the way. This is a cloud that is different than any other cloud. It's like this constant ringing. It's almost like a grandfather clock that is just going off at midnight. And it's just ding, ding, anger, wrath, wrath without mercy. Oh, I want you to feel this this morning. We're singing all these great songs, and then you come and you read this passage of Scripture, and it's just kind of like, huh. And then we sing another song to end with, and it's just absolutely glorious. And then we get to come and we see this text. Why? Why such anger? Why such wrath? Let's look back at chapter 1. Verse 5. Her foes have become the head of her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Verse 8. Jerusalem sinned grievously. Verse 18. The Lord is in the right for I have rebelled against his word. Does this sound familiar to you? Can you see this in your own life? In my life? Verse 20. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. 
sin, sin. Some, we all, everyone is under sin. We will battle sin all the days until Jesus comes and gets us. At least those who are saved, who have been bought by this precious blood, will one day be able to do away with sin no more. Can't imagine having a pure thought with no evil, with no jealousy, with no lust, with no everything in my flesh that works against me every time I try to move toward the things of God. No more battle. Sin. You've heard in previous passages that we preached here, working through this book. I literally asked Russ the other day, I said, you sure you don't want to shorten the schedule on this? Sin despises. Sin stains. Sin impoverishes. Sin is crushing. Sin separates. Sin kills. Sin is devastating. Sin affects others. You can just go on and on and on. And if you're around it and and try to help in it, you see the damaging effects of it. He said other in other messages, Russ made the statement, so that look into in, in your at your sin. Get it right up in your face. See it. See it for what it is. There's a lot of things that we do that are sinful that we don't even really think of. Or don't go and plead with God for forgiveness and restoring the relationship. Little things, subtle things. We asked about this in ABF a couple weeks ago. You've been, you have conflict with your wife? Did you get broken over that? Did you repent? Did you turn to Jesus? Or no, we just kind of worked through it and this is the way we are. And it's sin. We can't trifle with sin. We don't, we don't preach these messages. It's good that we're here. There used to be back in my younger days revivals and a guy would come in and he preaches hard. We take sin extremely lightly and I'm hoping that today that you will be weighted down. I hope that you will leave here with a heart that is changed towards this and that you will end in great joy and glorious celebration of Jesus Christ. But I want you to feel this on the front end. Look at yourself. Get your sin. It brings grief and bitterness if you could see the end of where you are going. Satan is so subtle, even in some of his comments to you, will we'll even say, yeah, I know, and I should do better, but, but I'm saved, and in the end, I'll be there. Man, may that make your hair stand up on the back of your neck. 
That's not what he's called us to. Have you wept over sin lately? Verse 5, he talks about he's bringing mourning and lamentations. Being crushed over their sin. God is pouring out his anger and his wrath. Do you even see or connect your sin to Jesus? I've done some counseling over the years. I can remember a man having a a, a moral failure, repentant, coming to his wife, pleading for forgiveness, working in this relationship, seeing the brokenness, the crushing of that lady that did nothing to be sinned against in such a way. I watched this man weep. I watched him seek the Lord. And he just, man, just seeing my wife and her experiencing this and working through this, it's hard. It's crushed, sorrowful. Couple of weeks in, I asked him. I said, Let me ask you something. Are you more sorrowful over what your wife, that you sinned against her, or are you more sorrowful that you sinned against God? Your dear Savior, His precious blood. All the songs, he's worthy of glory. Oh, my heart sings from overflowing joy. Yes, it should. It will. The sin is so serious. At least God thinks so. You're seeing God's wrath poured out on a group of people. Did I give the first point? Cloud of God's anger. Point number one. Okay. Because now I'm going to give you application. (laughs) Sometime. Set aside some time this week for you to meet with the Lord. A length of time. Uninterrupted. Ask him to search your heart. I don't usually even want to ask him to do that. I already know. But you ask him. Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Take that into the time with you. This is serious. And nobody wants to come and there's always just this beating down. But we have lost a certain edge, a certain seriousness to sin. 
like there's a pendulum here this morning. I've used this before, and usually my pendulum is pushed way down. We're talking about, you know, it doesn't move much. We're trying to walk that path of righteousness, true godliness, and we, we, don't, we don't move much. It's what we're striving for, staying in contact, walking in the Spirit. This one, I hope, is, man, we're way over here, and that thing is pushed all the way out to the end, and you're seeing, man, this is God's wrath. And I hope that we're going to come over here and we're going to end with it way over here. Because Jesus was covered by a cloud. Point number two. Jesus was covered by a cloud. In Luke chapter 23. Verse 44. It was in the ninth, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. 45 goes on to say, while the sun's light failed. I don't know if this was a cloud. I don't know what it means that the sun's light failed. I don't know that the clouds were so thick that they couldn't get through. I don't know that this is part of just the wrath of God that is going on in this time of crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's just being poured out. That is what's happening here. There's a cloud that covered Jesus. We see the wrath and lamentations of a small group of people that God has set apart, that has been rebellious, that has sinned against Him, who has not been obedient. And look at this wrath. Look at what is being poured out on those people. You see this. I've read it twice because I wanted you to see and hear. This is what he's doing. He used to lead them with his strong right hand and he would defeat their enemies. He's now got his right hand and he's picked up his bow and he's like, man, I am firing darts. What in the world was must have been the wrath of God that was poured out on Jesus. Have you thought about that? God's wrath for all those in the Old Testament that are His that will come, that have looked forward and put their hope in the promises of God and all of those who in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, who have come to Christ, our sins. And don't make it too general. Make sure you place it going. My sin. We sing a song, right? My sin. It was my sin that held him there. All that Christ Endured, beating, flogging, nailed to the cross. 
for me, for you, for those who will hear the gospel and respond and will come to Christ. He made that payment. You see that wrath to the point where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Feel the weight of sin. That's what put him there. This Old Testament point is going, look, we can't do this. It's, it's obvious. We're no different than the Israelites. None of us, we can't do this. If Christ has not done what he's done, we have no hope. That wrath is coming. Matter of fact, that wrath of God is still coming for those one day that, do, that have rejected this great love and this great sacrifice that was made. And there's a wrath of God. We went through Revelations. You know it. Jesus took away the cloud of God's wrath for all of us who are his. That's in a sense, that's what we don't know this God in that way. You see, I hope that you will just, your heart will, will build and fill and that you will realize and we should like, when I say that, you should be like, yes, praise him, hallelujah. He took that cloud away from us. That cloud is not on us. It's been removed. All we get is a little discipline. And in the end, what does he want? He just wants a people who love him. Look at all that he does, and we're just like, it's like, woo. He just wants us to love him and take this and go, man, this should radically change my life. I should hate sin. Oh, I should do all that I can. Cut it out. Get rid of it. This is my Savior. This is what put him there. Why? Why do I pursue that? You should rejoice with exceedingly joy that this cloud will never come back at us again. It's just not. I'm going to go to heaven where all this is going to be wiped away. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to come down and he's going to walk with us. God himself. And it's not because of anything that we have done. We're the reason that he came and did what he did. He's still trying to redeem the people to himself. Man, that there is this love relationship that is unbelievable. And then we go and we grow in, in our walk in ways that, that you, whatever you want to do with me, I'm yours. We're hesitant to say that. Wherever you lead, I will follow. Will you? you sit here today and you don't know Jesus I hope that you will hear this I hope that you will receive this 
I hope that you will pray and ask God to show you more and more that we are all have been there. You're desperate. There is great despair. There is a cloud that still hangs over you. For us who have taken Christ as Savior and Lord and He has saved us by His precious blood and has washed us clean. That doesn't even... We, we, don't, we have trouble believing that. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, this cloud hangs over you. There's coming a day where He's going to come and wrath is going to fall. And you know what? It's actually worse than it is in Lamentations. Because on this one, the end of this destruction is eternity in hell. There's messages, like I said, used to be preached in the days gone by. There's one that was preached going, sinners in the hand of an angry God. And talking about how you're in such a, a, an unbelievable, like, desperate situation because you're like you're holding on to a thin thread of a spider web and you're dangling over hell itself and it's just, just you don't know when it's going to give way. And it's over. No more opportunity. It's hell and, and, and God's wrath and, and suffering forever. Forever. It makes us wonder, go, when we share the gospel, how, come, how could you not come to Jesus? How, could, how do you want to argue with me? Do you, you know what's facing you? Yeah, I don't want to believe that. I believe this, this, and this. No, 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 no. That's, that's all a lie. That's a lie. This is truth. You don't have to be afraid. Share it. Share it hard. Come to Jesus. You've got to. You're in despair. You're in a desperate situation. We all are, apart from Christ. But look at this. Look at what he did. He's demonstrated his love towards you and that while Christ came and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He shed his blood for us. There had to be that blood that was shed so that we could be made clean. He satisfied the wrath of God for those who will believe. Come, come to Jesus. You sit here, you don't know Jesus, grab somebody at the end, don't leave this building till you come to Jesus. If you need more time, we'll talk to you. I'm not trying to make you make a decision. Well, I am. But I just trust the Lord. It is a desperate situation. We live as though, oh, I got tomorrow. I already got my plans for tomorrow. Even for next week. You got no control of that. Zero. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. We're in despair. We see our despair. We see the sin that is in our life, and then we, you repent, and you recognize, you say to God, you confess with your mouth that, that I'm a sinner. Oh, man, I am wretched against a holy God. That's why he's so angry. And all that is done, and then we, by faith, you turn to Jesus Christ, and you trust 
in what he has said in his word and going, man, I'm going with that. And if I, that doesn't work, I'm in trouble. But it will because Jesus Christ will come down and he's our advocate. And you stand on that judgment day and it's like, why should I let you in or whatever you may think? I don't know how it's going to be. But all I know is if I'm standing before God, if Christ doesn't come in and say, hey, he's ours. I paid for that. He's my advocate. Going, I'm going in. Come on, Jesus. I'm there. I'm as good as there. The way that we begin this life is the way that we continue to live this life. And here's something that I think is missing. We don't have despair in our life. And it's a key element. Because we would say, hey, we live a life of repentance. Well, that falls a little short. Because there has to be a repentance and there has to be a turning to Jesus. You can't have one without the other. And I think we've gotten to where it's like, and because... I'm there because of sin. You need to bring in a little more despair. I watched Rush a couple weeks ago, and he's like, he, he came right up to this, and he's pushing hard, and I'm going to try to take it, and I'm going to push it harder. Because out of a pastor's heart and a love for you, nobody wants to fe- leave you feeling like you're desperate, you're in despair, that you're crushed. But there's a part of what God does here. Going, you need to be crushed. Why? Why is it so important that we have despair, that as we go and we see our sin and we, we have despair over this, as we, we work through this process, little self-despair, little joyous growth in Jesus. Deeper despair, Deeper the walk with Jesus. Why? Why do, you, why do we say that? Because you see how desperate you are. You see, we can't do this apart from Jesus. And man, the greater I see my sin, the greater I see my Savior. <laughs> man, when I see that he, he, he comes to me, He forgives me, He hears me, answers me, and he is loving me. You know that when you're in despair, it is the very place where Christ is and where he wants to meet us. It's where he loves us the greatest. Why? Because we are coming and we're seeing, talked about seeing your sin clearly. Despair will help you with that. You'll see it really clear because you have totally walked away from Jesus. I have totally gotten into sin and he's not around. He is around. But I'm living my life as he's not. And I'm also living my life as going, he doesn't satisfy. And all of this great love that he has shown us and and given to us and has lavished on us in grace upon grace upon grace, I have walked away from. Like, you get over here and it's like, man, what a fool I am. What in the world? How did I get here? Oh, God. 
and you repent, and he's there. The deeper the despair, the deeper the killing of pride. I'm there because I'm very prideful. And I'm there because I really love myself a lot. Now, the great news is we don't stay there. And that's why as a pastor I can come and I try to make you feel this way. I hope that you will grow in this. I hope that you will see sin differently. I hope that you live your life differently with the Lord because you put this into practice. And in, in, in giving myself time, we love for easy forgiveness. I love repentance. Repentance. We even, it's just, it's very simple. I want forgiveness and let's move on. Despair helps in that. And then the repentance and faith comes. Repentance, turning from self and pride and sinfulness. That's where we're at. I have to repent of that. And then you have the faith that turns to Jesus. Here's two lines out of a book called Deeper that many of you have read. I would highly recommend both those books. Start with... Gentle and Lowly, written by the same author, and then Deeper. And he's talking about a desire and how to go about to have a deeper walk with Christ. And he has these two lines in there. Repentance that does not turn to Jesus is not real repentance. That's a new definition for repentance. Faith, faith that has not turned from self is not real faith. This point right here is where Christ meets us. He loves us. This is where humility is. You have to humble. You have to be humble to get here. Killing pride, killing self, hot, turning to Jesus. You come out of this work that you do with the Lord, and you come and you just wrap your arms around Christ and just say, man, I hope I never do that again. Part of being in despair, you're seeing that and going, oh, I don't ever want to do that again. There are some who get in and want repentance, but they're not sure they won't do that again. Well, they're not in repentance because you haven't turned to Jesus. And Jesus is precious. He is everything to me. You love him. And he loves you more and more. Here's some verses I'm going to read. They have them. You can just, I'll, I'll tell you where they're at. And you can hold on to them. But have you seen this? See what the Lord says in his word. He says, Psalm 34, 17 to 19. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
Yeah, just keep saying, and it's a good verse. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. Get down in there. Get broken and get contrite. And, man, just look at what God, he longs to come to you at that. Isaiah 57, 15, for thus says the one with a capital O, who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places, and I also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. He longs to say, come, come on. You're forgiven. Look at what Christ has done. Come, let me restore you. Let me revive you. Come, let's walk in this fellowship together. Isaiah 66, 2, all these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I look. I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, we know very well, been used more and more. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 1 John 1, 7 through, 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Without the blood, there is no remission of sin. He had to be put to death that way. What a price. You talk about love, a father doing that to the son, unbelievable. For you, for me, for all those out there that still have the wrath of God lying on them, God shed his precious blood so that we could be made white, we could be washed clean, had this fellowship. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've been made clean. Every time, he has made us clean. You can't even believe that because there are people still here that deal with guilt. You don't have to. Walk with Jesus. Go. Go through this. And get your forgiveness. He's forgiven you. Go. Walk. It's done. You're clean. Because of Christ, we're clean. We've been made righteous. Psalm 103, 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. It's everywhere in Scripture. This is the process. You have to have some despair to go deeper and to walk and ask God to keep you fighting and getting rid of sin and becoming more and more like Jesus. And I embrace him and I love him and I go with him. These things, they all fade away. I've lived long enough. Come ask me. Everything out there is useless. It will mean nothing to you. It will not bring you happiness. Nothing. 
just doesn't. You're made to worship and to love Jesus and God with everything that you have. Come on. Let's do this. Encourage one another in this. We're weak. You got to do the work. Here's a good one for you. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Who controls all things. Who has all power. He's promised that he will give you everything that you need. He's secured your eternity. And you believe you're going there. But we can't walk with him here. Come on. Come on. He will quiet you by his love. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. A quieted heart. Not being anxious. Want to know how to quiet your heart? Love of God. And he will exult over you with loud singing. Walk in this. We can't hear him sing, but one way, one day we will, and I got I just can't imagine. You have the best voice in the whole world. I can't wait to hear his voice. Can't wait to see him. Where my faith will be sight. The one who paid the wrath of God. So that I could be there and nothing in me is worth being there. Only because he set his affections on me. Come on. Let's fight against this. Walk with Jesus. This Bible is for our relationship with him. It's pointing to it. Everything. See the wrath of God that was poured out for you, for me. Application, despair, repentance, faith that turns to Jesus. Spend some time this week, maybe even today on the Lord's Day. And again, if you don't know Jesus today, come to Jesus. This love is unbelievable. This Savior is incredible. I started to sing hallelujah, what a Savior. But you got the blood in there, so I'm, I'm thankful. I started to call you with that, and so when I heard them practicing this morning, I'm going, thank you, Lord. But I try not to do that to them because it's usually the last minute. Come on. There's so much more. Jesus, in his grace, in his mercy towards us, in his kindness towards us, come on. Build that relationship. Encourage one another. Who or what do you really love? Who or what really captures and controls your heart affections? 
Father, thank you so much for your word. God, what a tough passage of scripture, and it's still coming. And we see at least your view of sin, and only by your gracious restraint, I don't even know that even in today's day, how you restrain. But I'm glad you do, because I would be also, apart from Christ, in that group. So we praise you. We thank you for Jesus. Oh, I pray that he has grown in our hearts and in our minds this morning. I pray that we will walk out of here pursuing him more and more by the, by the power of your spirit, by the grace that you give to us to, to walk in these ways. We can't do this on our own, but we can be like Paul and we can work as hard as, as anything, but it's the grace of God that has done the work in me. Oh, we love you. I pray that somebody that, that may watch or listen or whatever would go forth and see the unbelievable, the, 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 the love that has been demonstrated in your salvation. We love you. Thank you for this time together. In Christ's name I pray, amen.